podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back, and it's been too long since I had this devilishly good-looking, handsome man on the show. He is the head honcho over on KSO. He used to be the K-State football recruiting guru, but at this point, I think you can just say he is just the K-State sports information guru. He is the man. He is the myth. The, he is the legend. And I hear he's putting out, you know, a fireman style calendar for all you lady listeners for 2023. It is Derek Young of K-State Online. Derek, uh, is there any truth to the rumor that you are putting on like a full on, you know, half naked fireman photo shoot here in a couple months and then selling the calendar in 2023 to all the rabid uh, female fans of KSO? I'm sure we'll be uh, addressing quite a few rumors on this show, but I, I'll, I'll start by shooting that one down. I am, no, uh, I'm not. I'm sorry to disappoint any of the female listeners. Well, well and probably some male as well. Man, uh, man, my, I, I need to get better sources. I thought, that, I thought I had the best sources in the business when it came to that, but uh, that is not true. Um, we'll, we'll get into some of more of the exact stuff, but I was having this conversation in uh, amongst a couple of fr- friends because it, it is wild. The official opening for the football job ended up being, I think, right at or right under a week. And we're getting close to already eclipsing that for the basketball season. Now, the football job, it was rumored basically since the start of that football season. There were some ups and downs which try and made it seem longer than it was. We're at about a week in this coaching search. How long has that time actually felt for you trying to cover this? And I mean, you're putting out updates, you know, a few times a day. So I imagine it seems like it's been going on for far more than a week, even since it officially became open. It actually doesn't seem that long. Um, To be be honest, it's funny because the Bill Snyder replacement, that, that whole search seemed a lot longer than what we've endured so far with replacing Bruce Weber. And I know obviously you just you know shared it that that's not really the case but this one seems like 20 percent of the length that the the football search was and that and to be completely transparent I think some of that was because you know we were sitting there and I think Kansas State was sitting there even almost conducting a search while before you know Coach Schneider had technically retired at that point so uh uh, so some semantics there, probably, of course, um, and, and that one had its share of ups and downs, too, before it even got to Chris Kleiman. And maybe it was always, you know, destined to be Chris Kleiman even then. I'm sure we've discussed that before. And this one, I think it, the search seems a little bit more clear cut at the moment than probably at any time the football search was. Um, even though it ultimately ended up with a pretty predictable hire. Um, this one, obviously, probably a little bit more clear cut because there, there was a, there's an obvious, I wouldn't say front runner for the job because, you know, the two sides have to come together and make an arrangement, but an obvious, you know, a clear target that Kansas State obviously, you know, has to confront first before moving on to other options. Yes, and, and, and I, that, that's Brad Underwood. We'll, we'll talk about that specifically here in a bit. Um, my, my question to you is, if this is to stretch, you know, say uh, Brad is going on a run to the second weekend for the first time in his career, it has to be said, he still has yet to reach the Sweet 16. Say Baylor, which again, the one of the other front runners, Jerome Tang, uh, they make a run to the second weekend. If this stretches, say, say we're sitting here with both those teams still playing next Wednesday. Um, how long do you think that the next seven days would be for you in that case, if, if those teams are still playing? Do you think, you know, in week two, it's going to start feeling like longer? You think, hey, you know, I only have to zero in on a couple of guys 
uh, it'll still kind of seem like it goes by with a flick of the wrist. Yeah, probably flick of the wrist there because if let's say both of those schools um, win both of their games and head to the second weekend, and then there's not a whole lot that's going to happen between now and then because um, there's only so much that Kansas State can conduct with those two candidates. So now with Jerome Tang, he's an assistant. Is he afforded more liberty to discuss another job with another team at that point? You would think Scott Drew would would be more than willing to kind of in some ways facilitate that the best way possible while trying to keep Tang's eye on the ball at the same time. Uh, but to point out, I think Baylor's they're in a tough region and I think they're the weakest one seed. So I'll be interested to see because oftentimes we see a number one seed not advancing past the first weekend, to be quite honest, just typically one of those is loses in a second round, unless you're Virginia and you lose the first one to UMBC. Obviously that was the year when Kansas state made the elite eight. They were going to win. We were, we were going to beat Virginia in, in, in the round of 32. So, I, I mean, they even if they would have beat UMBC, we were going to kick their ass. But, I mean, didn't mean to cut you off. I just need to get that out there. <laughs> yeah, I had to clarify that. So, I just think if they're if it kind of goes to, to course and there's a number one seed that might be vulnerable of not making it to the second weekend, it's probably Baylor. So, that's an interesting item to look at and, and to consider. Even if they do, I, I do think being an assistant, that one's probably a little different. Because I, I almost think you can, even as an assistant, probably have that at higher announced, even if Baylor is still going. I don't think that's really going to wreck um, Baylor's chances or really up, you know, throw that locker room upside down beforehand. So that's far different. And in the case of Illinois, whether they make it or not, I think that will largely dictate how quickly this moves or doesn't move or how much we hear between now and then or lack thereof, and more importantly, the lack thereof, I would imagine, um, at that point, just because, you know, Brad hasn't made it to the second weekend before, and he has a a team capable of doing that. I will say this, um, I have Illinois predicted to go to the Sweet 16, but they very well may not make it, and um, assuming both teams win, I think Illinois might be an underdog against Houston when they play each other in the second round, too, so... Um, that's just, you know, an interesting item to look at. And I know they made the, they won the regular season Big Ten titles. So, I mean, obviously we all know Underwood's a great coach, but they didn't get the most favorable draw. They got one of the better mid-majors to play with out of the gate too. Yeah, it, it, I've seen a lot of Chattanooga and even a, lo- a lot of Vermont as well as even more popular than some of these 12 and 11 seeds. I've seen a lot of national folks picking uh, Chattanooga and again, uh, Vermont uh, as well. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Before we dive in deeper, got to pay the bills. And, and I got to say this, Derek, you're a fit young man and you may already be taking this product, but if you're not, you should. And that is Athletic Greens. Folks, I take a scoop of Athletic Greens every single morning before I hop on my Peloton to go along with my gallon of water every single day. And since I started doing this about a month ago, I've seen my energy take off. I used to be addicted to caffeine. Not anymore. Athletic Greens is giving me all the vitamins, minerals, and superfoods I need all in one scoop instead of trying to down two big multivitamin horse pills and you're still not getting any of the probiotics or superfoods that Athletic Greens gives you. I promise you, it doesn't taste like some weird kale smoothie or trying to choke down a piece of raw uncooked broccoli. Almost has even like a fruity taste to it. I enjoy it, and it's the first thing I do when I wake up. If you want to be like me and like Derek, who is super hot, go to athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. You get five free travel packets and a free year supply of their vitamin D uh, supplement that I put in my gallon of water every day, chug it down. And folks, I've never been healthier in my life. Go to athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Also, you guys are listening to this on release date. We are going to have our weekly live show over on ColorCast at 7 p.m. Thursday night. We're going to talk coaching search. We're going to talk daylight savings time. We're going to talk NCAA tournament. And we might even ask each everyone what their favorite type of pie is because earlier this week was pie day. We always have fun during our live shows on ColorCast and you never know who might show up. All right, let's get into it and let's, let's dive in a little bit deeper on a couple of the names that I want to touch on. The first one, let's go with the guy who actually is off 
your board and he's lost a lot of steam. He originally was my number one guy behind Brad. That's Grant McCaslin. Um, it's not only K-State, he seemingly has gone quiet on all these different jobs that originally he's being connected with. He is a guy that a lot of the national folks connected to K-State, connected to Missouri, even connected to LSU. Now there's seemingly almost no steam anywhere. What's your take on what happened there? And is there any way he could find himself back in the mix if this search you know, gets into uh, two weekends from now if Baylor and uh, Illinois are still going? Yeah, this, the cynical part of a lot of people will wonder if his team's performance against Louisiana Tech in the conference tournament had any bearing on how this has kind of unfolded for him. They had 13 half points at halftime. Uh, what was what was the final score? Like of that 42 game? to 36. Yeah, it wasn't uh, pleasing on the eyes. And, and his style of basketball, you know, for some isn't pleasing on the eyes, though it was not – that bad you know throughout the year i think the the fewest points they had scored before that game was 54 i want to say um in terms of it going silent does that did that play a role i i don't know the cynical part wonders if it did um for me uh i i don't know that it's really that all of a sudden all these programs just said oh we're out because they saw that i mean because up until that point, he had a pretty favorable resume to a lot of the other mid-major coaches that are going to be plucked away or might be plucked away. I would imagine it might be along the lines of what we saw with Nico Medved at Colorado State. I'm not saying I know this 100% for a fact, but it sure seems like this could be one of those scenarios where he may have an extension lined up with North Texas that is just yet to be announced or, or might be soon. I would be scared you know, suspicious of that being the case just because of how silent he has went and how little buzz. I mean, even the national media that were tying him to all these jobs or, you know, these big boards or, you know, mine included or, or those in Missouri, LSU, I don't even see his name, you know, sometimes at all. Or if it is, it's still really close to the bottom of the list. So one has to wonder if, if he decided to take the money grab, you know, I said money grab, it probably isn't anything significant to where to what he could have made, um, at least temporarily at North Texas, and is just going to live to fight another day and see what he can do at, at other jobs in the future. Uh, is that a good plan by him? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think he's rolling the dice, rolling the dice there a little bit, and I don't even know if that's the case. But if it is, I think he's rolling the dice. Yeah. One other name I want to ask about, and it's mainly because I watched his team in the NIT on the road at Xavier yesterday, and they battled. I mean, they were up on Xavier almost the entire game, and it just kind of slipped away uh, towards the end, and that is Dennis Gates at Cleveland State. So he's not on your big board. I think a lot of folks thought he was going to end up at Georgia until they plucked away Mike White from Florida. I think a lot of folks are kind of looking towards the Southeast for him. And I think ideally as a longtime Florida state, you know, alum and assistant, that's where he would like to be. But I don't know if any of those jobs are going to come up. I think South Carolina has him on the short list, but I don't think he's going to be a candidate at Florida. The way LSU is operated. I don't know if he's going to be a candidate at LSU. Is there any way he could find his way back into the conversation after maybe initially uh, saying, eh, I don't think so, guys. Is there any chance we could double back and see him make a run up the big board before a decision's made? Uh, never say never, especially if Kansas State loses out on some of their top options and decides to go back and engage his interest at that point because the, his top options might be off the table and, and that maybe becomes a, a, ma a marriage worth making sense. I, I just heard of Chauncey Bosco, I think. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah, I, it, it could certainly happen. If you ask me what I think happens would be if none of those Southeast jobs become appealing enough for him or what him. Um, you talked about LSU, South Carolina, and Florida. Um, and then you can see and Mississippi State's probably going to open still. I mean, they're playing in the United States still, and that's why I think why we haven't heard a, you know, a final conclusion on, on what the, the story is going to have to say on Ben Hallen. Uh I would tend to think that, you know, once some of these names come off the board, then maybe Dennis Gates still becomes an option for an SEC program in this cycle. But if not, I think he's so committed to 
going to the SEC, I would tend to think that he just, you know, runs it back another year at Cleveland State um, over maybe what he would maybe define as settling for a different job. Yeah, I, I think eventually he is going to be destined for the SEC or maybe the Florida State job if that opens up. Uh, in the Leonard ACC. Hamilton's pretty old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leonard and Hamilton I, could retire. Yeah, and, and I think he might be a candidate for that one. So, again, I think that also kind of plays into the fears of – I don't think it's a Gene Taylor fear, but I think it's a fear of K-State fans of, okay, someone coming here, having success, and then leaving. So I, I think he – well, I, I'm a big fan of him, and I'm a big fan of what he's been able to do at Cleveland State. I think I'm amongst the minority of K-State fans. So let's get into at least the two true names at K-State fans, and I, I think you also have zeroed in on. Let's start with the headliner. Let's start with Brad. Um, the national media has kind of laughed at it even being an option. I think some K-State fans, and I'll even include myself uh, in this because I've rode the roller coaster pretty hard. I think K-State fans at some points have thought it's even close to being a done deal. I think it's probably somewhere in between, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think the national folks laughing at it saying, oh, there's no chance. I think they're wrong. I think K-State fans who might be thinking, oh, there's a chance it's on the one-yard line. I I don't think that is accurate at all. What's your read on the situation of Brad to K-State? And am I correct in saying, hey, it's probably in between the two extremes? Yeah, you nailed it there. It's not on the one-yard line. It's never been on the one-yard line. Uh, We would be – I think the national folks would even have picked up on it if it was that close to perhaps being a done deal. Now, the national folks are probably out of their mind a little bit too, and I think they're dismissing the notion just because they just hear that in Kansas State. I tell you what, I I would be – and I would – I almost want to hear what you think of this. I wouldn't be surprised if at least 50% of these national folks that don't even – associate the two sides being together. Brad and one can't say no, that he's alone. They might, I mean, that might not even have registered. They might not even be informed on that. And if they are, I don't think that they know how much that's meant to him throughout his career and how strongly he aligns himself with Kansas State because of his time in Manhattan, because he grew up not far from Manhattan, all of those things, and coached him. And I mean, he's done. He's ran the gambit with Kansas State, done everything basically besides being a head coach, grew up a fan, played there, coached there. He's just not been the boss. This is probably his last chance to be a boss. And that storyline and that whole journey, I think, is probably what national folks aren't privy to, nor are they accepting of that being a possibility. And I think that's why they dismiss blindly um, the chances of it happening. And with the fans – I, I, I think, yeah, you, you probably buy into the hype a little bit too much and probably, you know, in some cases, maybe catch your, you know, eggs before they hatched. But I would say this, he hasn't said no, he hasn't said yes, but it's not impossible and it's not a foregone conclusion. It's something where I think he will consider and he is considering um, and, and probably – has it been willing or able to address it or consider it or think about it enough to ultimately make that conclusion yet just because he is so busy trying to do more tournament-wise at Illinois than he has in his career? Yeah, so I, I think what you said is spot on. I When I was talking to Kellis, I, I think I probably put him in a bad spot because I, I started calling all these national people lazy. And I go, do you think these people are lazy? And, you know, Kellis is a big J journalist and I probably shouldn't have tried to make him call some of the national folks lazy, but there has to be an aspect to it because not only is he an alum, you, you spelled it all out. He's from the area, was a fan. His parents are still in the area. His wife, yep. an alum, her parents still in the area. Um, you know, Champaign, Illinois, if something were to be going on with family, again, they're, they're, they're not young folks. Their family are not young folks. If something were to happen, you're not going to be able to get back to Kansas around your family. Something happens. And I, I think a lot of folks, when they start getting older, they start seeing their family get older. That becomes important. I mean, hell, we saw Blake Seiler leave K-State for a lateral job to be closer to his wife's family because they had spent so much time away from them. I think there's way more of a draw than that than the national folks uh, believe in. And honestly, they haven't really changed their tune. I, I, I think he's, I think anyone who says he's not a legitimate uh, candidate, which no national person is, 
I think there's a chance if it gets done that you're going to see like a lot of, you know, minds blown. You're going to see a lot of uh, comments in the national space. And I think it would be very entertaining. Uh, the, the last thing I'll say on Brad, and we'll, we'll kind of move on past it. Do you think there's any part of Illinois, say they do lose to Chattanooga or say they do lose to Houston, where is there going to be any part of Illinois that says, all right, this guy can't get to the Sweet 16. Uh, if K-State and them can come to terms and they're going to give us $8 million for them, they just say, okay, fine, leave. Or do you think they've invested so much in them in raises already and seeing them win Big Ten titles, something that hasn't been done since Bruce Weber, uh, that they're saying, no, we're going to fight to keep him and try to give the godfather offer, an offer he can't refuse, um, even without him making it to the second weekend? It's a good question. I also wonder if, if he ultimately flirts with the job enough to whether there is a, an opportunity for some kind of counter offer, because either he, he's ready to come home and and the, the, the deal is right or it isn't. I don't, I don't know that he's really going to go back and say, well, they're giving me this. I, I just don't see Brett Underwood, a guy that everyone has said is so tied into his alma mater and loves his alma mater so much, um, using that as a, a, as a raise or, you know, as to bargain for a better contract. I just don't think he would do that. So ultimately, I don't know that they would have the opportunity to do so even if they desired um, that's part of my answer. Secondly, if given the opportunity to do so, I still think they would. Um, I don't know if it's going to be some kind of like astronomical, your, your top two, top three contract. I, I don't know that it would uh, expand or grow to, to that extent, but I think they would fight to keep them if, if given the ability to do so, just because I think you, you kind of answered your own question there a little bit. They've been starved for a winter for so long. They went through, they've, they've been through some things um, for, and even if it's uh, not accurate for, for a program that believes they are an it program when it comes to college basketball. Um, and now we can argue that that's not really the case because they haven't won in a long time, at least to this extent. Um but they believe they are kind of a who's who. They, 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 I mean, if you ask their fans, their alumni, their, their, uh, their, the, the other people in that administration, they believe in the Big Ten. They're on par with the Indianas, the Ohio States, the Michigan States. And I guess now maybe you put Wisconsin into that conversation because of their consistency over time. Um, and you could argue maybe we should have the same discussion about Indiana. I mean, in our lifetimes, they've been pretty insignificant other than one miracle run under Mike Davis that they fired. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think because of that, because of their starved history and they're starting to taste success for the first time since Bruce Weber, um, and he, his taste was pretty brief too, you know. So I, I think because of that, they would do that. I mean, he's still a guy that's won, what, two – two Big Ten championships the last couple of years. Even if one's a tournament, one's a regular season, he, they're, they're, they're still winning some hardware right now. Yeah, for, for a program that hasn't seen trophies or banners in a long time uh, in Illinois, you know, if they were, and again, I, this is going to be me editorializing and we'll move on. If it were to happen, and I can say this because I'm just a stupid fan, the meltdown from their fans would be amazing because they first saw Bill Self leave, go to KU. Bruce Weber has some success. They fire him. He comes to K-State, and again, we, I, this isn't a Bruce Weber podcast. At the end of the day, he still takes him to the Elite Eight and puts up two championship banners for the Big 12 in a time frame where Illinois didn't do any of that. And then they finally get another guy and then lose him to another Kansas school. I feel like you'd see, you know, the University of Illinois Champaign folks try to boycott Kansas like they're California, trying to boycott, you know, red states over some weird laws. I think the meltdown seeing their last three coaches be successful end up going to Kansas schools would be just hilarious. And I, I, that would almost be better, not better. It would be a great, you know, cherry on top of the Sunday to see the Illinois meltdown if it happened on top of just getting Brad to come home. Uh, but I'll, I'll just, I, I won't make you comment on making fun of Illinois folks unless you want to. I, I would just say there, there is some weird career overlappings and, with long symmetry, 
symmetry between Kansas State, Kansas, Illinois, Bill Self, Lon Kruger, Bruce Weber, maybe Brad Underwood. It's just been a kind of a weird triangle and irony of sorts between some of these candidates and the schools that they've worked for and, and stuff like that. And not that this is tied to it, but the, the, there's also a, the going home factor we've already touched on here. And, and no one's really mentioned it, not that I've, or at least on a viral scale, but I wonder, and I know he's had a much better job than what this one is. Obviously, we know Fred Martin just left South Carolina. You know who's a South Carolina alum? Mike Boynton. Mike Boynton. Head coach at, head coach at Oklahoma State. And, and this would never happen too, but I thought it would be funny, you know, hypothetically Brad Underwood, if he were to, you know, entertain the Kansas State job. Mike Boynton goes to South Carolina because that's home to him. I was like, why Bill Self, man, go back to Oklahoma State. This is your time. Well, no, no, it's funny. And again, we won't spend too much time on it. I, I, I love hot boards. Like it's my favorite thing is going to other places and uh, you know, the rivals network. If you, if you subscribe, you get it, you don't get to read the message boards, but you can see the hot board posts. And then uh, I, I do know someone who has a 24 seven login. So I, I can see some other hot boards. Uh, South Carolina, they do have Mike Boynton. Uh, I, I can't remember if it's their rivals or 247 has uh, him as the number one. No, what's ironic, though, is the LSU boards have Bill Self on all their hot boards because uh, they think, oh, you know, we're LSU. We, we made the splash getting the Notre Dame football coach. You got the Baylor women's basketball coach. They're trying to convince themselves that they can take Bill Self. And I, I think that is hilarious. But I would I would lose my shit laughing if it if it did happen. I mean, I think everyone just is trying to pinpoint that one name that they could acquire at LSU just because their athletic director, Scott Woodward, is known for that. He did that at Texas A&M. We went and got Jimbo Fisher at LSU. He's done that with Kim Mulkey and Brian Kelly. So he's not really someone that goes and grabs the under the radar guy. Didn't he, he grab did. Buzz to A&M too before he left? Yeah, yeah, he did. So it's going to be someone with name recognition. He doesn't do it any other way. Um, so Bill Self, I guess, I, mean, I don't think that's completely in this lifetime possible, but I get maybe the thought process and maybe they need to think along those lines. I think I've seen Andy Enfield at USC associated with something along those lines. He did just get a huge contract extension with the Trojans, I believe, but I don't know that money has really been a deterrent to LSU in any sense of the word. All I'm going to say about LSU, and then we'll move on to the next name, which actually has also kind of been linked there, but I think there are a handful of things that would make it so he wouldn't end up at LSU. Uh, anyone who can take Kim Mulkey away from Baylor, uh, I, I think I think anything is in the possibility for that athletic department. But let, let's move on to a Baylor guy, Jerome Tang. Um, initially, you know, he was, he, he was whispered about, he's been – uh, kind of on the fringes, but lately anyone you talk to associated with K-State has been saying, hey, this is a guy who is shooting up our board. Um, what was the rapid ascent for him? Is it kind of as simple as, oh, there were a couple of names that were sitting head coaches that maybe came off the board, or is there something that once the search firm started digging in, was like, oh man, this is this is a legit, legit guy? Is it just the fact Baylor kept kicking our ass year after year after year, and they're like, hey, you can't beat him, let's poach him. Uh, you know, what What kind of led to the ascent of Mr. Tang? Probably a little bit of all of that. And even even the third thing you said, uh, because if you, I mean, we go back and look at the last four or five years. I mean, I think Baylor has been more of a thorn to Kansas State than KU. Like, the, aside from that one miracle game last year, and might have been in the Big 12 tournament. I mean, these games are, you know, decided by 20 points a lot of times. I mean, just not even close. But at, Baylor's turned into a machine under Scott Drew. He deserves all the credit in the world for that. And now his assistants are trying are starting to sow, sow the rewards, reap the rewards from that too. Jerome, here's my thing with Jerome Tang. I've always I always was hesitant on his candidacy for any high major job because it's like why why are we just now starting acting like he's a revelation? Uh, I, so I always thought maybe he was just content being the you know, first chair under Scott Drew and like kind of like what we thought long about Brent Venables and just like, hey, no pressure, a lot of money, I'm good. So I assumed that was maybe his view on things or his thoughts, but I mean, I think he's associated with a few different jobs. It's just not Kansas State. 
I think he's heavily involved in the Missouri job. I think if you ask me where his two best, two most likely options were, I think K-State and Missouri probably have him the highest on the list. At least that's what it seems. But I also think that he's probably going to be considered at, you know, South Carolina should he want it, Florida should he want it, Mississippi State should he want it. When that comes open, I don't think it's open. So um, it'll be interesting, but I, I think in terms of Kansas State, while why they are all all sending hot and heavy on him, I think it's because they they know that he's had his hands all over that Baylor program that has ascended to one of the best in the country. I think it's because uh, he's ready to be a head coach. He certainly seems like he's seeking out these opportunities, and I think it's because. I think the two sides have met and, and have discussed the potential opening um, before it was before selection Sunday. I think Baylor exiting pretty quickly probably helped facilitate maybe some, some discussions and, and contact between the two sides there. And, and I, and it sounds like they came away very impressed by what he's provided them so far. If, if you were going to handicap this and, and I asked the same thing to Kellis, so I'm, I'm curious of your uh, answer if you're going to say uh, Tang or Underwood versus the field, what sort of percentage or what sort of odds would you put on that as we sit here? Because in my head, everything I've heard, I'm almost thinking it's like 60% those two versus the field, but I might be a little off. And, and if that's an answer you have behind the paywall, feel free to say, subscribe to KSO and tell your friends. Uh, but, but that's kind of where my head's at. I, I think it's more likely or not it's going to be one of those two guys. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll still provide the answer, but you should still sign up for KSO and, and tell your friends. Um, but at the same time, here, here I'm more of a, I guess I, I try to probability this out and, and consider also the, the alternative scenario. So I, I'm probably still take the field over, over those two because drum tank could easily accept maybe be offered the Missouri job, you know, in an hour and this, podcast is outdated and he's the, the new Missouri head coach that could happen um yeah. he's pretty hot he's pretty he's pretty high on their list yeah I, um, for, for the sake of this podcast I hope it doesn't happen but I was just talking to someone uh but before we on the phone before we were talking I was like you know th- th- there's a very real chance that you know come noon today there's an announcement of you know hey or at least a tweet saying hey you know sources say associate head coach Jerome Tang of Baylor has accepted the Missouri job and, and it would not shock me one bit. So I hope that doesn't happen, but I think you're, I think you are correct. It could happen at any moment if Missouri decides that's their guy. Yeah. I mean, cause I don't think there's a better chance that he's the Kansas state coach than the Missouri coach. So that, that could happen. And then you'll, you'll probably have me on, on a later podcast and discuss how that happened. Right. So that's a possibility. Um, I wouldn't, I don't know that I'm ready to call Brad Underwood a 50 50 shot for Kansas State, you know. So, um, I think you know, it's great that he's listening and it's great that he hasn't said no, but I don't know how close that is to being, you know, an arrangement that can unfold. We, I don't know that anyone can really put the handicap that. So, if you're really getting into the math of it, I still think the field is probably more likelier than those two. But if singular candidates, then you start to wonder, you know, who's more like, it's probably those two just, and, and maybe we've, a lot of people just assumed that I would take those two over the field. I wouldn't, I would take the field over those two, just because all of our attention is being spent on those two candidates. And really probably a lot of Kansas State's attention is being placed on those two candidates, but that doesn't mean that they're more likely than the field. That just means you know, those are the the pie in the sky candidates that they think, you know, got to have. One more specific candidate I'll ask about, and then we'll end with kind of like a shotgun approach. And it's another name that his, it's not out of nowhere because it's a name that K-State fans have talked about. It was on uh, some hot boards to start. I can't remember if he was on your hot board number one or 1.0. That's Chris Jans uh, down in uh, New Mexico State. Um, I'm hesitant about it because, again, I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of why he was dismissed from Bowling Green. Um, he hasn't had any incidents since, but, again, that, that's not something I particularly like. And as, like, a top 10 Greg Marshall hater in the world, don't like how much time he has spent around Greg Marshall and Wichita State. And especially if you start looking at some of the timelines, 
Um, he was around Greg Marshall when a lot of the, and I'll say alleged just so he doesn't try to sue me with his crazy wife, but uh, around a lot of the alleged player and assistant coach di- uh, mistreatment at Wichita State. If you look at some of the timelines and the reports, uh, Chris Jans was around all of that. So I'm very hesitant about him, but he's had success. He's seemingly started getting traction. I think he was in the Goodman tweet. Um, What, if anything, have you heard about him? Are you surprised that you're starting to maybe see his name creep into it, even if it is, you know, maybe his agent trying to get him involved? Uh, What was your reaction to that? And how viable is he as a candidate uh, in your mind? Because it was more, like you said, it was the Jeff Goodman tweet from Jeff Goodman from the stadium that you know, bounced around with ESPN and, and CPS, I think. So he, that guy is well-connected. He's not, I don't think, throwing you know poop at the wall, so to speak. But I think that's probably a name that was given to him, given Jeff Goodman's contacts. That's probably search firm and agent related I would imagine because I don't think Jeff Goodman's ever been someone that we say oh he has an obvious link or, or contact inside the Kansas State Athletic Department I don't think anyone's ever accused him of being someone plugged into the Wildcats um, operation with that said Christian obviously good good basketball coach right I mean he's New Mexico State I think this is their third NCAA tournament appearance in four years if I uh, if I'm remembering this correctly and uh i think one of those included a little bit of a run i'm not sure i think this year could end up in a run as well we'll see what happens uh they they play yukon in the first round uh but it doesn't i'll say this i'm not saying he's not a candidate he might be um i put him on my hot board now just because of that goodman tweet and obviously because he does have some supporters in the industry that are recommending him for jobs and trying to further his uh, candidacy. And and obviously he's in contact with some. If you looked at his uh, answer at a recent press conference, I think after their selection, he gave more of a non-denial denial than Brad Underwood did. Um, he basically embraced the entire thing as, yeah, I'm, I'm being talked about it and it's great. Um, I'm being talked about other, other jobs and it's great. It's better than being on the other end, which I think he's assuming, you know, like, obviously on the discussion of being perhaps fired. Uh, and, and I do have been, I actually have been to Bowling Green quite a few times. I have, I have some friends that live there and the, the narrative that you hear from that situation is very conflicting. There's some that think you got a raw end of the deal, but I don't want to dig into that either. Um, obviously he was you know alleged, alleged of something that cost him his job and he's been associated with, Greg Marshall, which isn't a very good thing to be associated with anymore. Maybe at one point it was. And because of those things, all I've thought all along is that doesn't seem like something that Gene Taylor typically flirts with. Um, he's, If anything, we've seen that Gene Taylor isn't much of a risk taker at all. And that's not against, I'm not criticizing Gene Taylor. I'm not saying he's, anyway, but he's erred on the side of caution and safety for much of his tenure at Kansas State. So considering Chris Jantz at a considerable level would be something, um, I don't know if out of character is the word, but at least out of uh, what out of sync from what we've out seen. Out of the Taylor. norm. Out of, Jean. outside the norm. The only thing, and I, I think this is going to seem like a shot, the only thing that would cross over is Chris Jantz has no, no real high major experience and and then Chris Kleiman was that kind of hire, but that would be the only overlap that I could see. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's the last exact name. I'll just kind of throw uh, th- just shotgun approach. You know, are there yeah. any other like names that uh, maybe aren't getting a lot of attention amongst K-State fans that you would say, Hey, you know, folks should at least keep an eye on this. Or do you think it is uh, it, maybe not as simple, but Hey, K-State's going to do their due diligence beyond the top two, uh, but really the only two names that you would say, hey, keep a close eye on are those top two in Underwood and Tang. Yeah, I think so much focus is being placed on those two. And I really haven't heard a name that even comes close to being as considerable of a contender for the, or you know has their attention as much as those two. It's really hard. 
I mean, I know that they've discussed quite a few names internally. Uh, one interesting one, and I and I, I don't know that the fans are, are really supportive of this guy, is Matt McMahon at Murray State. And, and I think part of that is because it's kind of like within uh, teams that are fans of NFL teams, and they're like, oh, you draft a player from a certain college, well, everyone from that college always burns out or is a dud and, or, you know, is a bust. Um, I think people thought that from about Texas Tech players for the longest time, especially quarterbacks, and then there was Patrick Mahomes. So I, I caution people on doing that, but Matt McMahon was a guy that I think was discussed internally. I don't think that obviously they weren't enamored enough to put him on the same plane as Jerome Tang. So like, I'm not saying that, but I think he was discussed and interesting enough, I think SEC programs seem to like him a lot more than a Kansas State or, or someone like that. If you look at, I know you said you've you know scrounged those, scoured those SEC hot boards. He's like in a top three in nearly every single one. They love him. So maybe that's a guy to keep in mind at some point, or maybe he's going to be Gonzo. I don't know. Darian DeVries from the Missouri Valley, uh, head coach of Drake. I know you don't like that, but that would seem to perhaps be something sort of that would be up Gene Taylor's alley, but I haven't heard his name really seriously associated uh, with the job. We talked about Dennis Gates. I just don't think he really has his eyes set on the Midwest. Um, Andy Kennedy's been actually shared, and people aren't going to like that because yeah, he didn't have a really flattering tenure at Ole Miss, but he's doing well at UAB now. I wonder if they make any kind of run. They actually got to consider kind of a kind draw to where he might be able to make himself look far more appealing and, and just twist the knob enough to maybe, you know, coax an athletic director into taking a second chance on him. Um, the, I think the tie there is he, he's kind of a Bob Huggins guy. So Bob Huggins will probably pound his fist on the table for him. Yeah. I, Lots of thumbs down on that list for me, but uh, hopefully it doesn't come to it. I lied and said I wasn't going to ask about any other uh, specific candidates. I'm just going to have these two more, and then I'll, I'll uh, ask a couple kind of out of left field uh, silly questions, and we'll call it call it a day. Um, Golden out at San Francisco was part of that tweet. He's a young guy. He's analytically, uh, you know, uh, forward. Had a great year at San Francisco, and then. Thanks to, uh, you know, Grant Flanders' boy, Draymond Green, uh, Mr. Valentine up at Loyola, Chicago. Again, those are two of the youngest guys. They're analytically, uh, you know, forward. Um, both of them have uh, some really big successes you can point to. Is there any chance that Gene Taylor says, hey, I'm going to go after a super young guy who is actually having success? Or do you think those are just not quite on the radar? There's not en enough crossover and probably are just names being thrown out on social media, sometimes by uh, randos and sometimes just by, uh, you know, a, a national reporter who's doing an agent a favor. Yeah. I, well, right now I think it's just a social media thing. I really do. I haven't really heard anyone that within our, our little Kansas state world that would suggest that those two are receiving any kind of consideration. I would love it to be quite honest. If you missed out, on, on your top two, maybe a third guy, like, and we just went through some of those mid-major head coaches and you give a big old thumbs down on nearly every single one. I'm kind of with you. I wouldn't automatically go completely thumbs down on some of those guys, but I would probably be more open to the idea of a young, maybe up and coming coach like Todd Golden or uh, Drew Valentine than, than say a Darian DeVries, than or Matt McMahon, or guys, you know, Andy Kennedy, guys along those lines, I would be more inclined to favor a Golden and a Valentine. Um, you're probably looking at a, a much lower floor, don't get me wrong, because you don't necessarily know what you're going to completely get because their inexperience is so little, but I would think that the upside is far more than what we're considering with those other major hires that we just uh, discussed, but in terms of Gene Taylor, I don't know about you, but I can say this: he doesn't seem like the guy that would take a chance on a young up and comer. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, if it comes to it, if you get past those uh, first two names, I hope they reshuffle, and I, I would hope that both those guys maybe would get a look. So here, here we're, we're going to go away from basketball, just some pretty quick, uh, wacky stuff. Uh, yeah. Here's here's the first one: over under one and a half commitments from this list: Avery Johnson, Dylan Edwards. 
Will Anquin. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. The, Ancio. The tight end. Will, yeah, the, Will Ancio, tight end from Cape and Mount Carmel. Yep, there. And then Joe Odding, Topeka Cat out of Hayden, over under one and a half from those four guys. Unless something changes, I like the over. All right. Uh, you see a lot of the football coaches starting to wear lavender. Any chance we either see in the next five years, whether it's accenting or a full-on color, lavender appearing on a football helmet, jersey, or pant in the next five yeah. years? I joked with someone about that at, at Pro Day when I was walking around. I was like, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit more of this because even some of the players had it on. Um I, I I don't really know that they did that. They made it seem like it was just like gear that they're wearing. So I, I, I'll lean no, but I'm, I hope I'm wrong. I think I, all I'm going to say is it's pretty easy to add, add a little bit of lavender detailing on some he- helmet decals. I'm just going to leave it at that, especially over the next five years. I just uh, and, I can't get my hopes up. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll be, I, I can't handle the disappointment. Yeah, I, well, I think you can make it work as is with the all whites because uh, I think they're going to get the uh, full white pant shipment as much as people don't like to hear it. I mean, if you saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had to push back their uh, the creamsicles coming back because of uh, shipment delays from China with Nike. So as much as some folks don't like to hear it, I think the reason why the white pants didn't happen was the global supply chain, at least last year. But I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, over under two and a half touchdowns for running back number two, Jack Staneen, this season. Uh, how, what was the number? Two and a half. <laughs> under. Uh, you know, he'll be fortunate to get one. I mean, he, he might be RB2 right now. I think he's probably not. I bet it's DJ Giddens. I don't even know if he's playing running back that much when the fall comes around. I think it's more out of necessity right now. I think you're probably correct, but I like asking that. And then the final, the final question right here, and, and we're going to call it a day, but you know, if this stretches on, we're going to get you on again. If you were going to have one final meal, what is that final meal? World War three is about to pop off and you just have access to any meal that you want. What is Derek Young having before nuclear Holocaust? No, I, I, the older I get, the more I love Mexican food. And uh, so this sounds weird because it's, it's simple, but it's still really good. It's probably tacos. And, and, and if I had to even like crunch that down even more is Mary's mom's tacos. I mean, she is a fabulous cook and, and from there. So uh, yeah, give me the tacos. Well, there you go. Tell everyone what's going on at KSO and then I'll let you get on with your day. Uh, you know, not a lot. No, she kidding. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're, it's about to be a high volume season for football recruiting. I, I, I don't, not arrogant, but I don't feel like you're going to get any better information than what we provide on that front. And that's probably been going since we, since, you know, KSO started in tw- the fall of 2017. And then obviously the basketball coaching search. And like I said, we have updates, you know, so far we've had it every day. I do think it's going to slow down a little bit because the NCAA tournament is, is happening and, and uh, stuff of that nature. I don't think you're really going to get a lot of news during while the games are being played Thursday through Sunday, but we provide the updates. I think we've had several. I think, I in th- just the coaching search in general, I think we've, we've been pretty revealing of, of information and not just as it pertains to where it's going, where it's headed, but just with candidates in general, find out new information about them or, or who might be more inclined to listen and who might not be who's falling down it's not just centered on one or two targets so i think you're getting the full scope definitely well Derek young thank you so much as we here at bosco's boys continue to try to give you guys the coaching search coverage that you're not getting in kansas city sports talk or really anywhere else i'm sure as this drags on we'll have you on again but until then thank you for coming on have a safe travels uh because i think you'll be traveling a little bit this week but again that's never going to slow your uh content down i'll never forget you know you went on a full week vacation down florida and you're still posting updates you know a couple times a day so no one's dedicated to the game quite like you so thank you to all the boneheads we love you guys go to our twitter account we tweeted out a bracket challenge we'll have a secret prize for whoever wins and uh, yeah, that's all we got. Grant is always going to be at the Cathead, so please go meet him there. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fire.
Podcast Network.